Deuteronomy chapter 14. We'll, like, like I say, we'll look at chapter 14 and 15. Let's pray. Father, as we look into your word, we pray you'd prepare our hearts to receive what you would have for us here this morning. And it, Lord, we, we love your word. We take your word very seriously. Um, and I, I just think, Lord, you have an opportunity to say what you have to say to us. Uh, make it uh, uh, adventure, a palatable um, Again, you know, change our hearts, our minds, so that we, we take your word in. And I mean, we don't live by bread alone. We, we live by every word that proceeds from your mouth. And we've understood that. So make that a reality here this morning, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, chapter 14, verse 1. Ye are the children of the Lord your God. You shall not cut yourselves. Here I am, walking in victory. No problem. Uh, nor make any baldness between your eyes for the dead. I'm two for two. How about you guys? You doing pretty good? I don't, I don't know. You're saying, well, who does that? I don't, I don't know. It was a thing back in the day. I think it was some sort of pagan worship thing. And I'm not talking about, if you get that unibrow thing going, I'm not talking about plucking a few hairs out. It's, it's, you shall not make any baldness between your eyes for the dead. It's got something to do with, you know, some sort of ritualistic practice. Do I know much about it? I don't. And so I don't want to add a lot of stuff. Don't do that, okay? Uh, um, my sister had these, like, like, like regular women. She had eyebrows, and she used to pluck them till they weren't any. There was nothing there anymore, and she penciled them in. And I thought, like, we had these natural ones that God gave you. Are you penciling? Because then she could control how. What, I I don't get it, right? Uh, is is that what we're talking about here? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think it's a, uh, you know, and um, everyone I, while Seuss takes care of me, I get these, one of these eyebrows that just like, it looks like an antenna, it grows about four and a half feet overnight and stuff, and she always makes sure I don't go out of the house looking like that. She, you know, and I don't think we're talking about that either. You know, you can t maintain, okay, that's, that's fine, but it's a pagan ritualistic thing. God's saying, no, pagans do a certain thing, don't do likewise, and he's always calling us for a separation, look at verse 2. Thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. What does holy mean? It means set apart. God's holy. He's apart. Everything that is, is in one of two categories. Creator or created. There's no other categories. He alone is creator. He alone is holy in that sense. Intrinsically holy. He makes us holy. He sets us apart. And he wants us, look at this, Thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. I like peculiar. It means a people for his own possession, but I like peculiar because I look around and I say, I like where I go to church. We have plenty of peculiar going on. Nobody ever fights me when I say that because they're all like, yeah, you got me. Uh, it's the way it is. And God wants a, it, it's a people for his own, and they're different. We're, we're, we're different. We're a different kettle of fish. I totally get that. Now he's going to talk about dietary laws. Okay, listen where we've come so far in Deuteronomy, right? Kadesh Barnea, that, that fork in the road, that place of decision. Kadesh, glory, okay? Barnea, barrenness. Oh, there's giants. Oh, the, we're grasshoppers in this site. Oh, we can't go in there. Oh, it's going to be horrible. They got chariots of iron. Oh, they got the people that got the walls that go right up to, and they just psych themselves out. 
hey, Caleb says, huh, guys, remember, uh, God, he's on our team, he's not on their team, they're going to be, we're going we're gonna to eat their lunch, no problem whatsoever, let's go get them. Oh, we can't do it, we can't do it. Now we're at that same place, right? And by the way, what's, your, what's a giant in your life? What's the, what's the Jericho that's stopping you from inheriting your inheritance? Living in the promised land. You name it, you, you overcome it. And here we are, and it's just like this real exciting moment. We can get rid of lust, we can get rid of uh, envy, we can get rid of pride, we can get rid of fear, we can get rid of fill in the blank. Uh, exciting moment. Eat your vegetables. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like you know, I'm going to have to conquer the world, and mom's saying, have you, did, you, did you pack a PB&J? How does, this, how does this fit into what we're, what we're doing, what we're, what we're talking about? How does, this, how does this even, you know, it's like a, it's like a doesn't follow, right? Non sequitur. It, it, it doesn't, look, uh, and, and we'll talk about why here in a second, but let's go over it. There's a lot of verses here. Thou shalt not eat any abominable thing. You go to the promised land, you're going to conquer Jericho, biggest city, walls going up to the heavens. Make sure you don't eat any abominable things. I'm not, I'm not following you. Uh, these are the beasts, and he, this isn't the only time he says this, but he kind of rehearses it. These are the beasts which you shall eat, the ox, the sheep, the goat. I don't have any problem with that so far. Um, all those are on my menu. They're okay. Sheep being my favorite. Uh, the heart and the roebuck. Think of like, you know, deer, moose, same family, right? The fallow deer, again, deer. The wild goat, the pygarg, and the wild ox, and the shamois, whatever. And I was reading this in ESV, and, you know, they have different, okay, this is what this is, this is what this is, because we don't know what a pygarg is. And then in the ESV it says, I can't remember what it was. Uh, but I don't care. But I don't care, and I'll show you why I don't care. Uh, well, I'll show you that right now. And you're already in First uh, Timothy chapter 4. I know you're waiting for me there, and you're waiting for me to get there. Here I am. Uh, now, uh, Andrew was saying, uh, you know, we don't know what's coming next, and we can hardly, you know, a, a believe or understand. And I'm thinking, I'm going through it, and I can't believe it or understand it. Uh, but, but God hasn't, it's not a mystery. God's told us, like, like Andrew was saying, he told us the end from the beginning. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. I can't picture that. Hmm. Some departing from the faith. You're going to have to conjure that up in your mind what that means because we, we don't have an illustration to illustrate that point, right? Some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Uh, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. That's, meats there is foods, okay? Which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Huh. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Any of you guys have watched that, that series alone? Yeah, you do. I know. We told you about it. and I, Now we binge watch it. We watched them while we're all caught up. They drop these people in 
Mongolia, Vancouver Island, uh, Patagonia, and they got like 10 tools and some clothes and stuff like that. And they're in the, the wild of wilds. And if they trap, you know, a hare or a squirrel or fish, and they can maintain for a while. And if they're not successful getting food, then they have to tap out. And they, you know, get this uh, satellite phone. Yeah, I'm tapping out. And a helicopter or the boat comes and takes them back. And the last survivor wins. It's called the loan. People lose their mind. <laughs> they, they, you watch them on video, it's like, yeah, you're losing your mind. But they eat like mice and things like that. And then you know, there'll be a little uh, Chiron on the bottom of the screen, like, you know, a mouse is like 14 calories, 2 grams of fat, whatever and stuff. And I'm thinking, I'm not interested in eating a mouse. Just, I don't know. Is, is mouse on the menu today? Am I coming over to your house and you got mouse, I, mouse burgers or something like that? I, I don't know. I uh, there's some things I kind of like, yeah, it sounds really good. I'm sushi guy, like raw fish, yeah, bring it on. Um, pork, we, 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 we do, me and Sue's do not eat kosher. And if you're kosher people, sorry, we're not. Uh, I, I put a lot of credence on, and having said that, there's some things I, I'll, yeah, I'll try that. That sounds great. Some things, mm, like, like you do. For whatever reason, whatever reason you feel like you want to eat some things and don't want it. I'd, I'd try locusts and grasshoppers and crickets. I'd try them. Wouldn't bother me. Uh, I think God made them for food. Uh, Bloodworms? Yeah, I saw Fear Factor, right? Donnie Osmond was eating bloodworms. I'm thinking, it's come to that, Donnie? Oh, your career is definitely taking a turn for the worse. And I'm not interested in eating a bloodworm. Now you do, and God bless you. You ask grace, and God bless this bloodworm, bowl of bloodworms. Have at it. Me? Not so much. Uh, I, I think, like, I put a lot on this. God has created, it's, it's what I'm saying for me, which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Every creature of God is good. Nothing be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified, sanctified, set apart by the word of God and prayer. That's why God can tell Peter, rise and eat, kill and, and eat. Ah, oh, not so, Lord. By the way, is that even a sentence? Not so, Lord? Those aren't words that go together well. Not so, Lord. I, I've never eaten anything that's common or unclean. What is Peter saying to God? I've always maintained a kosher diet. What God has sanctified, call thou not common. And I, I put a lot of emphasis on that, my own thinking. And of course, God was trying to move him from working with just Je uh, Jews to now working with the Gentiles and giving them the gospel. Yeah, we get it. But I think that arise, kill, and eat is... Still okay. Let me just put it that way. Uh, now, some people keep an kosher diet, even in Christian circles. Uh, I remember, uh, what was I listening to? Uh, I can't remember. Dave, uh, I can't come up with his last name. And he was, he's Jewish. He's a Christian, but he's Jewish in his descendancy. And he said, kosher diet is awful. He said, why would you want to do that? And he says, you know, we always try to be, because none of these diseases from Egypt, right? But people who eat kosher die too. And they get diseases too. They get sick too. You know, COVID hit 
in Israel like a hit in America, okay? It didn't keep everyone from, you know, healthy, even if they didn't eat bacon, right? So make sure you load up on your zinc, your COQ10, and you don't eat any bacon, you'll be fine. It's not like that. So anyway, this is what God's going, he's reviewing. Every beast that parteth the hoof and cleaveth the cleft into two claws and cheweth the cut among the beasts, that you shall eat. Ruminants, basically. Okay, and I think there's a, a little parable there. Because God calls on us to ruminate over his word. You know, chew it up, swallow it, spit it back up, chew on it again. Over and over we go. And that's the way God wants us to partake of his word. Nevertheless, these you shall not eat of them that chew the cud, or of them that divide the cloven hoof. This is the camel. You guys eat, anyone here ever eat camel? No, me neither. It's not on our menu. We're Americans, we don't eat camel. And the hare. Now, if I ask anyone here who ate rabbit, most everyone will say, yeah. And, you know, and they all uh, taste like chicken. Everything tastes like chicken. How do, you, how do you describe things that taste? Everything tastes like chicken, right? I don't know. Cause that's what, uh, people say, how does it taste? I'm like, I don't know. Tastes like a taste. How do you describe? And we use words like tangy or spicy, or, which doesn't really tell us anything. You, here, take a bite. That's how we say, you know. Then you'll figure it out for yourself. Uh, and just because I like it doesn't mean you'll like it. I, get, I totally get that. And just because you don't like it doesn't mean I... Because you like it doesn't mean I will. Uh, I had a Szechuan yesterday. I was in uh, Orono. I called this place. Uh, and the lady was, I said, I want the Szechuan. She said, you want it spicy? I said, yeah, I want it spicy. And she goes, uh, we make it a little spicy. Have you eaten here? And I'm like, no, I like it spicy. And so she's getting a, we had this little war over the phone. She's Oriental, obviously. You know how you could tell by the way she talked. She says, well, I'll put it on the side, and you can pour it on it. Yeah, whatever, okay, give me the food, you know. So I went there, I got it, and, and it, oh, man, it was spicy. I give her five stars. It was delicious. But I like spicy, right? You may or may not. So I know I'm in Maine, right? People's spice rack, some people's spice rack is salt. I, I, I'm in Maine. I get it. Uh, when I moved here, there wasn't even a Taco Bell in the state. You can check that out. Not in Portland, not anywhere. And Taco Bell, I'm not saying like that's the, you know what I mean? We weren't like uh, given to a lot of uh, culinary divergence. I don't know how you want to say it. Anyway, uh, okay, the swine, verse 8, because it divided the hoof, yet cheweth not the cut, is unclean unto you, shall not eat of the flesh, nor touch their dead carcass. That's a problem because I love pork. Uh, and by the way, growing up, you know, it wasn't on. I, I mean, I, I got saved when I was 20, and I didn't even heard of kosher. I mean, there was like a, a kosher delicatessen in our neighborhood because we had a lot of Jewish people in our neighborhood. And by the way, uh, bagels were out of this world, and they served them with locks. And there's only a few places in Maine you can get locks. They're little tiny fish, super salty, delicious, if you love that sort of thing. Uh, but that was kosher because these little locks had scales and fins, but that's a story from another time. So, but I didn't know. I didn't know about kosher food. I had uh, friends like Bobby Bloom and Mark Zide and stuff like that, and Bobby, he invited me. He was a pitcher. I was catcher on a, on a, a Phillies, a little league team, and uh, so I'd go over to his house for like uh, uh, Passover. I was eating matzo ball soup and, you know, stuff like that, and it was all 
But, but I didn't even then understand what kosher food was until I got saved and I was reading the Bible. And I, oh, oh, I get it. There's some things you can eat. And so I was brought up in a culture that, like, yeah, we ate pork chops all the time. Um, These you shall eat of all that are in the waters and all that have fins and scales shall you eat. And that's a kind of a problem because we love lobster and scallops and clams and mussels and anything that's in the ocean, I love it, I want it, and I want seconds. We had that uh, thing a, a few weeks. That, uh, did, did you notice this at your house? We had this at, uh, at uh, Marty and Brenda's houses. I was asking what food you like the best and what food you hate. And seafood made everybody's list either the best or the worst. And it, people love it or hate it. And you know what I mean? But n not, nobody was ambivalent about it. It's one of our favorites because I say I'm sushi guy and Sue's is like lobster and and you know we love we love that okay but you can't have any of that if you're eating kosher. They're they're uh, called an abomination in verse three and in other places it's called an ab abomination. <laughs> Strong words. Uh, we say we say the ask the blessing and toss her down and by the way anything smothered in butter has got to be good right okay. Uh, these you shall eat of all that's in the waters, all that have fins and scales shall ye eat. And whatsoever hath not fins and scales, ye may not eat, it is unclean unto you. It goes into the uh, birds, of all clean birds you shall eat, but these are they which you shall not eat, the eagle, the ossifrage, and the osprey, and the gleed, and the kite, and the vulture after uh, his kind, and every raven after his kind. Again, on alone, they'll eat whatever they can catch. Me, I kind of almost stick to this because it just seems like the stuff on the menu is stuff that would be okay anyway. I mean, who's, uh, who's serving up uh, eagle and osprey? Where do you get that? What eagle restaurant do you get that in? Even the eagle's nest in Orrington, they don't, in Brewer, they don't serve eagle. I mean, I mean, you know, you can't get eagle on the menu. And the owl, who's eating owls, right? And the owl and the nighthawk and the cuckoo and the hawk after his kind, the little owl and the great owl and the swan. I don't think swan means swan because one place that's listed as kosher, I mean, you think it's waterfowl. It's kind of like in the duck family, duck, swan, all that waterfowl kind of thing. I don't think it means that. It means something else, but I don't know. And the pelican and the gear eagle, and the cormorant, and the stork. And if he eats stalks, then who's going to bring, you know, little Israelites into the camp? And you know, that would be a horrible thing. He eats stalks, right? And the stork and the heron after her kind, the lapwing and the bat. No eating bats. And he put bats in with birds, but he doesn't call them birds. He, God would know that a, a bat is a, is a mammal, right? It's a, he, he would know that. But... Uh, Again, I'm walking in victory. I'm totally bat-free at this point. I don't know about you. Every cre and there are people that eat bats in different parts of the place. Fruit bat, I guess, is like a delicacy on a lot of menus. Not here. I don't know any place that serves bat. And when I have them in my house, the few times I've had them, it's a fiasco. It's not something, oh, lunch. Not, no. And every creeping thing that flies is unclean unto you. They shall not be eaten. But of all the clean fowls you may eat, you shall not eat of anything that dieth of itself. Thou shalt give it unto the stranger that is in thy gates, that he may eat it. Now, isn't we're not talking about health anymore, because God wouldn't say, see, this is what people think. You eat, and, and people have written books on this. You eat kosher, you're eating healthy. Kosher means clean. Yeah, whatever you're eating. <laughs> Run it under, rinse the water, <laughs> rinse it under water, get clean it. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we're totally good with that, right? That's what it means, but that's not always what it is, okay? Uh, 
Because God's saying, okay, you find something dead, roadkill, like somebody ran over a moose, right? Or ran into a moose, I guess is probably the more proper term. Can't eat that. I mean, if you're kosher, but you can give it away. And what's God saying here? Like, you stay healthy, but everyone else, I don't care if they get sick. Come on. That's not, that's not the deal. Uh, you can give it to the stranger that he may eat it, or thou mayest sell it unto an alien, for thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. Now, before I get to the last phrase, you're a holy people, you're a separate people. I want you to eat separately. I think that's the whole thing. You say, well, why to begin with? Because if you're sitting down with somebody who's kosher and eat kosher, it's always going to come up in the conversation, always. And now we have a jumping off point for sharing about God. And I think that's the whole thing. You're distinct people. I want you to be distinct. Listen, we're, we're, we're oh, this is so frustrating for me. We're not like everybody else. We shouldn't try to be like everybody else. Everything that the world does, we do. Lighter. You know, they have like uh, nightclubs. We have Christian nightclubs. No alcohol or something like that. They have their award ceremonies. You ever sit through like the Oscars? Oh my goodness. God bless you if you can make it through all that. All that self-aggrandizement, all that gloss, all that look at us, we're so awesome. Look at how... Uh, you just have the devil wards. It's, it's as pukey to me as anything else. Look at how awesome we are. And if you want a devil ward and you display it proudly, God bless you. I'd, I, I wouldn't show up. If I, if I was like a Christian recording artist, I wouldn't show up for the devil wards. Sorry, that's the way I feel. I, I'm not into, what are you guys doing in the world? Well, let's see if we can do the same thing. Now, there's some time where that's a true thing. You're doing a thing and it can be sanctified. and we. Because I'm not saying everything is fun, everything is good, everything is pleasant or pleasurable. Don't do any of it because that's worldly. I, I've never been that person. You all know that. But sometimes all we're trying to do is imitate everybody else. And God's saying, no, I want you distinct. I want you different. I want your life to be characterized by you, you're totally opposite from them. Look at they're all going to hell. They're all living for the flesh. They're all about self and selfishness. I don't want you to do any of that stuff. I want you to be a people unto me. And we're like, how can we get in like everybody else? And I'm thinking, I don't think that's what God's after us to do at all. Uh... Thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. And he's called us to holiness. And I think that's what the dietary laws are about. Thou shalt not, uh, thou shalt not see the kid in his mother's milk. So if you're ever going to boil a goat, make sure you don't boil it in the milk that came from its mom. Saying, I don't think that's on the radar. I don't see that as something that's going to likely to happen. This is the dietary law as far as you can't eat a cheeseburger in Israel. Serious. Because that milk, the, 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 the cheese might have been made of milk that came from the same cow's mother and it'll seethe or boil in my stomach and that could be, that is taboo. You're saying, really? Yeah, that's where they get it. I, 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 don't, I don't see it, my own self. Um, and some will say, and by the way, I think that's a homework question. Homework, say, what are you talking about? We meet in groups on Wednesday night, and we review, like, we have 
you know, questions pertaining to Sunday's uh, sermon and teaching, and uh, I think that's one of the questions. Um, we, I don't think we know what this means. I, I read some stuff, I read some commentary, like you'll read some commentary and you'll write the answer about the commentary you read. Uh, why, why is there a, a prohibition on this? I don't know. Well, it had to do with some um, false worship, pagan ritualist. Yeah, I don't know if anyone knows that. I don't know if anyone cited that. Because I read Jameson Fawcett and Brown and David Guzik and the ones you read on Blue Letter Bible. And I've got you know, others available to me as well. And I, nobody came up with an answer that was satisfactory to me. But you go ahead and take a stab at it. Okay, now he's going to talk about tithing. We're going to the land. We're going to wipe out Jebusites. We're going to wipe out Amalekites and Hittites. We're going to overcome cities. And people are going to have these iron chariots. It's going to be awesome. Or make sure you tithe. Huh? That's like eat your vegetables. That's a, I don't get it. What's that all about? Again, we're peculiar people. And one of the questions that's going to be, is tithing incumbent upon Israel? Is it incumbent upon the church? That's going to be one of the homework questions. You figure it out. And by the way, you're going to say no or yes? That's <laughs> not a good answer. Give me a verse. You know, we hang, all, we hang our hats on a verse. We do what the, what the Bible tells us. And if we don't have a verse, you know, I generally shut up. People say, uh, I was asked even recently, so somebody was marrying somebody who was, oh, I know what it was. Yeah, a guy at work was telling me he knew a guy who was, he was in his 70s and married somebody like in the, I think she was 27 or something like that. And they had a kid. And so his son is his stepmother is like a year older than his son or something. Some crazy, I don't, and, and I'm thinking like, and what do you think of that? I'm like, let's see, Deuteronomy, uh, maybe a cle- what, what does the Bible say about you marrying somebody who's significantly older or younger? Nothing that I know about. If you got that verse, be pleased. To, I, I'd, I'd be happy to entertain it. So what is it? And then it just comes down to taste, preference, chocolate or vanilla. What do you like? There's no Bible verse. It's just, it just comes down to preference. I wouldn't want to be married to somebody who is a whole generation older or younger. It just, it just seems weird to me. I like somebody I can talk to and they have... If I say Watergate, they know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? That we have the same memories and the same point of reference. I like that, but it's my preference. I don't have a Bible verse for that. You want to marry somebody who's 117? I, I, I'll tell you when you're crossing a line biblically, but if you're not, what are we, what are we talking about? We're just talking about preferences. And I generally, I mean, if somebody asks what my preference is, well, I, I like vanilla. <laughs> oh, Sue's, she's chocolate, because we're opposites in just every way, I mean, pretty much. That's how it works, you know. Probably it's the same at your marriage, the Mars-Venus thing. It's, it's for real. We, we get that. Uh, anyway, well, I, I'm far afield now. Thou shalt truly tithe all the increase of thy seed, and the field uh, bringeth forth year by year. Thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose to place his name there, the tithe of the corn, of thy wine, of thy oil, of the firstlings of thy herds, of, the, uh, uh, of thy flocks, and thou mayest learn 
uh, to fear the Lord thy God always. Of course, that place is going to become Jerusalem before it was Shechem and Shiloh and different places, but it eventually becomes Jerusalem. And, uh, and thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose to place his name there. Uh, I already read that. Uh, verse 24, and if the way be too long for thee, so that thou art not able to carry it, or if the place be too far from thee, which the Lord thy God shall choose to set his name there, when the Lord thy God hath blessed thee, then shalt thou turn it into money, and bind up the money in thy hand, and shall go uh, unto the place which the Lord thy God shall choose. What's he saying? So you got a baby goat, baby sheep, the first one belongs to the Lord, i got to take that to Jerusalem and offer it to the Lord. Do I have to carry a goat 100 miles? Oh, I know, I'll sell it. I'll take the money and I'll buy a goat down there and offer that. And he's saying, yeah, that's cool. That's, what, that's basically what's being said. And thou shalt bestow that money for whatsoever thy soul lusteth hath, for oxen or for sheep or for wine or for strong drink. Or strong drink there, some people say it means beer. Uh, is God giving a, yeah, rum, rum and coke, go for it. Vodka, yeah, you're all set. Uh, I, I want to tell you, I'm just going to, this, this is, the Bible does not have a prohibition, abstinence, total abstinence from alcohol. I get in trouble saying that before. I speak against alcohol. I don't drink it at all. And I don't know that you should. It's not, I don't see it as a benefit in anybody's life, even a little bit, even ever. And I have said time and time again, yeah, probably not a great idea for you guys. So I, the first time I said that, the Bible does not totally prohibit alcohol. Someone invited me to the house for supper, and it was a pretense of ha being social, but they just preached to me why that was a horrible thing and why I said a dastardly thing. I can't change the Bible, and I'm not going to change it. And I would say, I don't, I don't drink cough syrup. I'm totally alcohol, no alcohol. I'm totally legalistic about this in my life. I'm not a legalistic person. I am to me. I'm not to you. Um, so I had this really nasty cough, and a friend of mine said, whooping cough, actually, and a friend of mine said, okay, what you need is some honey and uh, whiskey and honey and whiskey and lemon, and that'll cure it. That'll take care of it. And I didn't do it because I thought, it, you know what? It might take care of it. You say, well, didn't you want to get rid of it? Not that way, because then I'm the kind of guy that says, oh, I got a cough. Where's, where's my whiskey? I, I, don't, I, I, I don't want to do... The reason for me is because, one, I know it kills brain cells. If any synaptic function is happening up there, if any you know, dendrites are still firing, let them keep working, okay? But more importantly, I don't want to be a... I don't want to be a I don't want to set a bad example to anybody ever. You're out with your, your, your wife and it's your anniversary and you're having a glass of wine or something. You come up to the table, grab the wine, throw it on the ground. I'm not that guy. You say, well, you're okay with it. I'm not okay with it for me. What happens if it's a guy from like, I used to you know, work with Seven Oaks, or with the Arise program, or some, somebody who knows who I am saying, well, gee, Adam's having a glass of wine. I don't see what the problem is. Uh-uh. You ain't going on your next bender and blaming me. That ain't happening. Uh-uh. Get that off the radar. What? No. 
No, 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 no. I wouldn't even do it. I wouldn't even have no duels or anything like that. Just because someone say, oh, look, you know, it, unless you get the can of duels there and somebody knows it's alcohol-free because somebody, look, it looks like beer and, oh, Adam can have a beer. Why can't I? You can do whatever you think God wants you to do. You pray. You ask the blessing. I'm, I'm not your judge. I'm your pastor who loves you, and I think you do well with no alcohol in your life whatsoever. I'm just saying. I know a lot of people who are totally alcohol-free who aren't even born again. They don't even love Jesus. They look at alcohol and say, yeah, I don't see it fitting in my future at all. And they might, they might come from a, like an alcoholic background. Mom and dad... Both had alcohol in their upbringing. Both they had parents who were alcoholics. And mom and dad, because they were brought up in that environment, neither one of them... Dad would have an occasional beer, like, you know, once or twice a year. Never saw dad drunk. Never saw mom sip one beer, a glass of wine, ever in her life, ever. <coughs> she died a, a month ago or so. She went through her whole life alcohol-free. You can do it. It's, it's, it's fine. And now if you're, if you're struggling, or you're, maybe you're not struggling, you, you have a, a glass of wine, I, I don't care. I don't, I'm saying no, no wine's better. Anyway, he doesn't put a prohibition on it. Here he talks about, you know, strong drink. I think it means whatever thy soul desire, thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God, and thou shalt rejoice thou and thine household. Rejoicing. It's a, it, you know, you go to the Lord and you, and you, and you bring this offering and it's a time of rejoicing. Um, I don't think people think of worship like that. Um, you're supposed to. God thinks of it that way. And the Levite is within thy gates, thou shalt not forsake him, for he sh- hath no partner inheritance with thee. At the end of three years, I think this is a special tithe. At the end of three years, thou shalt bring forth all the tithe of thine increase the same year. Thou shalt lay it up within thy gates. It's not the annual tithe, not the regular tithe. It's a three-year. And the Levite, because he hath no partner or inheritance with thee, and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow, which are within thy gates, God's got a special place in his heart for the father and the widow, the fatherless and the widow. They have, they have something in common. There's no man in their life. There's no protector. There's no guardian. There's no strong figure who can keep ne'er-do-wells at bay. So God becomes the father to the fatherless and the husband to the widow. Uh, We always have a, uh, that's always an emphasis in our our, uh, church family. Because uh, in the Levite, because he hath no partner inheritance with thee, and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow which are within thy gates shall come and shall eat and be satisfied that the Lord thy God may bless thee in, in all the work of thine hand which thou doest. Now look, uh, they don't have somebody to take up for them. I want you to take up for them. And remember the Levite, take care of him. Um, so they have this three-year tithe to take care of stuff. Now we have the great society, and we have nobody goes hungry, and people who are poor here still own cars and television sets and an iPhone, and they do pretty well. Comparatively speaking, we don't let anyone starve. It's a great thing, right? And if you won't work, we'll take care of you as well. Even if you can, but you won't, don't worry, we'll still take care of you. That's the church's responsibility, I think. Now, we don't know that we want it back is our responsibility. But I think 
you know, taking care of, see, if, if people came to the church instead of the government, I think, I see that as a good thing. But I think Satan planned it so we go to Uncle Sam and the government takes care of us from the womb to the tomb, from cradle to the grave. And the church, psh, they don't play any part in our life whatsoever. And that's fine. I think that's satanic. I don't think that's the way God planned it. But moving on, chapter 15. At the end of every seven years, thou shalt make a release. The Shemitah year. We're in a Shemitah right even as we speak, which will end, I believe, September 25th of this year. I'm not exactly sure. You can check that. It might be the 21st. It's Rosh Hashanah. New year, the head of the year, and we won't be in the Shemitah at that point. Every seven years, thou shalt make a release. This is the manner of the release. You say, what release, what's that? Now he's going to explain it. Every creditor that lendeth aught unto his neighbor shall release it, and he shall not exact it of his neighbor, of his brother, because it is called the Lord's release. Of a foreigner thou mayest exact it again. There's a difference between believer and non-believer, God says. You can't sue a believer. You can sue a non-believer. That's New Testament. Okay? Listen. You're different. You're, 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 I, in me, it's, it's very different. I don't, people, like family, oh, family, family, family. It's all about family. I think it's about family, too. My family, my extended family, is less important to me than you all are, my spiritual family. True, true, true. I have brothers who are more brother to me than my people with my last name who were born of my parents. It's the way it works. I think God wants it that way. Um, I know, I know, I know. We don't always think in those terms. Eh, that church down there. Church, you mean you? You mean us? You mean us together? Church family, you mean that church? The blood-bought bride of Jesus Christ, that church? And you're kind of, eh, indifferent? I don't see how, I don't, I, I don't get that. Explain that to me. But if they have my last name, oh, super, super important. Well, they are. They are. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not alienated from my brothers and my sisters. We're, we're close. You know, enough. But they're distinct. There's a difference between believer and non-believer. A foreigner thou mayest exact again, but that which is thine with thy brother, thine hand shall release. Save when there shall be no poor among you, for the Lord shall greatly bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance to possess. I'm going to bless you so much, there ain't going to be any creditors, there ain't going to be any debtors. Imagine that. That's God's plan for Israel. I think it's God's plan for America. We were once the greatest creditor nation, now we're the greatest debtor nation. It probably traces back 1962, 1963, when we kicked God out of school and out of our law and out of our public square. It probably everything started trending down at that point. We're the greatest debtor nation. Uh, no, I ain't got time. Uh, but there's a good time when there be, will be no poor among you. God's time is going to bless your face off, and that's just how it's going to be, so don't worry about it. But if uh, you owe and stuff like every seven years, you've got to forgive the debt. That's what he's saying here. Only if thou carefully hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all these commandments which I command thee this day. So I'm very legalistic towards me. I'm not always very legalistic towards you. I want to give God life he can bless. Will he bless me if I sin? Yeah. 
Yeah, with sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Yeah. If thou shalt confess thy sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yep. So I'm just going to sin up a storm. Grace will be all over the place. True. But I also know choose to sin, choose to suffer. And I want to be like Daniel. I want to give God a life that he can bless. I'm very legalistic towards me. I'm not legalistic towards you. I hope you are legalistic towards yourself. Where you say, these are rules. I do not cross over them. I just don't. I'm carefully hearkening to the voice of the Lord. I do what I feel like God is telling me to do. And if he's written in his word, and I don't do it because, okay, you all know this. We don't sacrifice sheep to the Lord. That's not righteousness anymore. That's unrighteousness. The Lamb of God has been sacrificed already. We totally get that. And there are other reasons why we do things or not do things. But if God says, don't lie, I don't see that tied to a temple anywhere or something like that. Don't lie. Tell the truth. Make your word your, you know, when you say something, make it your bond. Anyway, let's keep moving. Carefully hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God. That's, that's, that's something to live by. For the Lord thy God blesseth thee as he has promised thee, and thou shalt lend unto many nations, but thou shalt not borrow. Thou shalt reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over thee. If you appointed me czar for life in America, one, I wouldn't take the job. Two, I think it would be a step down from what I'm doing now. Three, I don't know how I'd fix it. We are so far gone from these principles. How do, how do I pay the national debt? <laughs> Corruption on every level. Uh, what part about perilous times don't you understand? Anyway, verse 7, if there be among you a poor man or one of, the, of thy brethren within any of thy gates in thy land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not harden thine heart nor shut thine hand from thy poor brother. As the guy outside of uh, Home Depot, he's scamming me. He got to get a job. Right at Home Depot, they're advertising for people. They start him up 16 bucks an hour. He wants to stand there and ask for my money. He's scamming me. Fine. I don't want you to be undiscerning or dumb, and I want you to be buying his next fix. But there are people who are legitimately poor. God's saying, don't harden your heart toward them. And I get that. But if thou shalt open thy hand wide unto him, shall surely lend him sufficient for his need and that which he wanted. Beware that there be not a thought in thy wicked heart, saying, The seventh year of the year of lease is at hand, and thine eye be evil against thy poor brother. Thou givest him not, and he cries unto the Lord against thee, and it be sin for thee. Look, I'd like to help you out, but the year of lease is coming in like three months, and I don't think this debt's going to be settled by that time, so forget about it. God's saying, no, no. That's evil, God's saying. Thou shalt surely give him, and thine heart shall not be grieved when thou givest, him, givest unto him, because that, for this thing, the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy works and in all that thou puttest thine hand unto. Give God life he can bless. Again, the uh, Bible says you give to the poor, you're loaning to God. I like that. Poor person may or may not pay me back, but God always pays his debts. Something to think about. For poor shall never cease out of the land. Huh, that's interesting. So what about the great society and Lyndon Johnson and all that? We're going to wipe out poverty. And Have you ever done that? Have we ever done wiped out poverty? We've done a pretty good job of it. Again, our poor 
living amazing state, but we still have homeless. Those people have still mental problems. Some people, you give them, hey, 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 you know, uh, average life expectancy in the NFL is like two and a half years still. So you sign that millions of dollars, you think, that guy's set for life. Eh? Some of them are dead broke after they get out of football, even if they sign these amazing contracts. How does that work? Because it's like the principle where you win the lottery, so you're going to die plenty of money that you can give to your kids and your kids' kids, right? Hardly at all. They follow people who have won like amazing amounts of money. They just, they just tear through it. If you don't know how to make money, you generally don't know how to keep money. And people who earn it the old-fashioned way, dollar at a time, working, saying uh, yes to overtime, working hard, showing up every day, do, being diligent, uh, and they have a lot of money in the bank, they're the ones who generally do pretty good. That sudden wealth syndrome, I mean, you, it might happen. It's not even a bad thing per se. I told you this before. I prayed for a million dollars, and God said, work hard. <laughs> I'll take care of you. Okay. He could drop it in my lap if he wanted to. Apparently, he didn't think I was ready for it, because I think at times, like I was 21, wanted a million dollars. He dropped, I wouldn't have that million dollars now. I wouldn't have invested it wisely. There'd be a yacht in my front yard that was in total disrepair, and just be a haven for mice or something, and I, 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 just, I wouldn't have done good. I wouldn't know how to, what to do with a million dollars. Anyway, the poor shall never cease out of the land. Therefore I command thee, saying, Thou shalt open thine hand wide unto thy brother, to thy, to thy poor, and to thy needy in the land. Take care of him, God saying. If thy brother be an Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, be sold unto thee, and serve thee six years, and the seventh year thou shalt let him go free from thee. This is outlined in Exodus chapter 21. You get yourself in debt. You work for a person for six years. You live at their house. You eat their food. You do their stuff. And basically you have a slave for six years. It's not a slave like slave. It's a slave like indentured service. But you're getting they're paying off a debt and they're you know, following a situation where uh, they have to work for somebody. And when thou sendest him out free from thee, thou shalt not let him go away empty. You don't send him out and say, hey, thanks for the work. There, you're on your own. Well, he'll be right back to where he was. You don't send him away empty. Thou shalt furnish him liberally out of thy flock, out of thy floor, out of thy winepress, of that wherewith the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. Thou shalt give unto him. He worked for you seven years, for goodness sake. Bless him. Give him a lot. You can't outgive God. I've just figured that out early on. I'm not a wealthy man, you all know. But we do okay. Why? Because you can't outgive God, because He knows how to bless. Thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in the land of Egypt, and the Lord thy God redeemed thee. Therefore I command thee this thing, saying today, and if thou sh- and it shall be, if he say unto thee, I will not go away from thee. Oh, let's put that on let's table that for a second. Hey, remember in Egypt? They were working 400 years, and then as they were going, they spoiled the Egyptians. They asked for articles of gold and precious uh, gems and things of this nature, and they spoiled the Egyptians. That's their wages for 400 years of work. God didn't begrudge them that. And he's saying, you've got to remember that. When they go free, just like you left Egypt with a high hand, you had plenty. You had flocks and herds, and you had gold, and you had... Remember when they take up the offering, 
for the tabernacle, there was abundance of gold. You've got to remember that. And if it be, he shall say unto thee, I will not go away from thee, because he loveth thee in thine house, because he, it is well with thee. Who do that? Six years of slavery. Hey, I can't wait. I got, uh, looks like uh, 20 days, 4 hours, and 12 minutes, and 15 seconds. I'm out of here. I can't wait to get. No, no, no. It's not always that way. So you, you're working for this guy. You're living in this house. He's blessed you abundantly. It's a great place to, to live, to work. You got a, you've got a bride. You've got children now. Hey, where am I going? How can I get a better deal than this, you're saying? And there's that option. Again, it's in Exodus chapter 21. You study it out. Then thou shalt take an all and thrust it through his ear unto the door, and he shall be thy servant forever. So you make that choice. I actively want to serve him. Look, this America is struggling with freedom. I'm free to marry whatever gender I want. I'm free to be whatever gender I want. I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. And it just leads to chaos. Debauchery and chaos. God bless you. Here's your freedom. That's not biblical freedom. I'm free from sin. I'm free to serve God. And much of life is just finding the right master. I found him. He's Jesus Christ. Lord, I want to serve you forever. Take in all. It's an ice pick looking like thing. Put my earlobe on the door. And it connects us to the house, right? Forever. Pierce my ear, Lord. I'm, I'm ready to be here. There's no unreserved service to you, no going back. I'm not changing my mind. He says, once you do it, you can't change your mind anyway. Taking all, thrust it through his ear under the door. He shall be thy servant forever. And also, unto thy maidservant thou shalt be likewise, because God's equal opportunity. Always remember that. If thou, it, it shall not seem hard unto thee when thou sendest him away f- free from thee, for he has been worth a double hired servant. He, he got all this work from him. You've got to pay him. You've got you to give him his due. The workman is worthy of his hire. And God says, take care of him. Don't, it's not, it shouldn't be hard to you. Oh, I've got to give up all my, these flocks, and I've got to give up my herd. I've got to let him you know, go with the donkey and his sheep. And, uh, just, God knows how to bless. It shall, it shall not seem hard to you when you send him away. He worked for you for six years. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all that thou doest. All the firstling males that come of the herd and of thy flock, thou shalt sanctify unto the Lord thy God. Thou shalt do no work with the firstlings of thy bullock, nor share the firstling of the sheep. Why? It's God's. Thou shalt eat it before the Lord thy God year by year in the place which the Lord thy God shall choose, thou and thy household. Isn't this funny? We're going to end here. If there be any blemish therein, as if it be lame or blind or have any ill blemish, thou shalt not sacrifice it unto the Lord thy God. Doesn't he know us so well? I get this funky, like, three-legged lamb. I think I'll give it to God. <laughs> I don't want it, God says. The governor of, you, you wouldn't give it to the governor of your land. He wouldn't want it. You, you know what I mean? Nasty old, get that out of here. He knows us so well. Um, you say, that wouldn't really happen. In places where they give to missionaries, it's like, I don't throw that mattress away. It's got holes in it. It's moth-eaten. Mouse I'm making a house in it and stuff like this. Uh, I wouldn't sleep on it. I, w- I wouldn't let my dog sleep on it, but I'd give it to the missionaries. It, it happens. It happens. It's like, and then you take it, you know, a tax deduction for it or something. It's just crazy how we are. Uh, 
No, you can have that for dinner. Thou shalt eat it within thy gates. The unclean and the clean person shall eat alike as the roebuck and as the heart. You're thinking a blind sheep, that's not going to be good. It's going to wander into trouble. It's going to keep bumping into stuff. Well, I'll have it for lunch. And God's saying, have at it. I don't want it. And we don't give God of our blemished. We give him the best. Only thou shalt not eat the blood thereof. And he always says, that. always comes back to that. Why? Because the life is in the blood. Thou shalt pour it upon the ground as water. The blood. It's respect for life. Over and over and over we see that in Scripture. It even goes into the New Testament. But we'll make some more of that some other time. So anyway, that's chapter 14, 15. What do we do with that? I'm not going to eat any bacon anymore. I'm going to make sure I tithe. And if I have a manservant or a maidservant for six years, I'm gonna... what do we do with that? We're a peculiar people. We're set apart for the Lord. What does that translate out into today's? I don't exactly know. But I don't want to know. I want you and the Lord to settle these things in your mind and your heart. Lord, what's incumbent upon me? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to abstain from doing? Uh, what, how, does the, how do these verses, they're here for a reason. God knew we'd uh, uh, look them over and, and investigate. What does that mean to us? Well, now you have some homework to do. Let's stand, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Again, you know, we take it very seriously. Some of these things aren't, they're not readily easy. I mean, in the day of Israel, they couldn't eat bats. Okay, we get that. Well, what do you want our diet to look like? I mean, we understand we don't live by bread alone. But how do we live for you daily, even around the, the kitchen, even around the dining room table? How do, we, how do we honor you in all that we do in our giving, in our, our relationships with others? What does that what is that? look like Lord what are you telling us like in, a, in verses like this what are you communicating to us so we pray you, you know as we go forth in this place but think about these things we're ruminants after all what should be and Lord we pray that you would uh, take your word and bless it to instruct us we ask it in Jesus name now may the Lord bless thee and keep thee the Lord make his face shine upon thee be gracious unto thee the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace.